0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Mythology. My name's Olivia. I'm going to be your host today. And joining me today is Nathan. We are ready to go get these myths. Just a couple quick disclaimers before we get started today. I do not have a degree in mythology. Really wish I did. All of my notes and my research are going to be in the show notes, so if you have any questions or you want to look more into any of the sources that I talk about, they will be linked in there for you guys. Second disclaimer, this show is not to harp on anyone's religions, beliefs, or anything like that. My hope for this podcast is to show that we are all part of humanity and that there's connecting parts through all of us even if we're a different race, culture, religion, all of that. Mythology kind of ties us all together. Now my third disclaimer is myths are weird. There's going to be talks of genitals, all sorts of things, situations that are uncomfortable. We're going to talk about them all because it's mythology and I'm not one to shy away from that. So if you're cool with that, let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Mythology. I'm Olivia, and I'm here with my co-host, Nathan. Hello! We are back. It has been a little bit, and I apologize for that. Had some personal stuff to take care of. Been busy. Busy. But we're back now, and we're ready. And I have been dying to talk myths. I literally will just be doing my actual day-to-day jobs and my nine-to-five and i'll just be like i just really wish i were talking about myths right now so (laughs) i'm back
1: that's why we're here i
0: dragged you here and we're gonna do it that's right so remember how i said oh yeah yeah we will move on past creation are we not well
1: (laughs) (laughs) we have some more things to talk about hold on (laughs) okay
0: so I'm going to tell you one creation story. Okay. But then I want to kind of do a deep dive on all of them. And the reason I'm telling this particular creation story before I do the deep dive is because it has some significant parallels that are are highlighted in the, the deep dive that we're going to go over. So I felt like if I just skipped over it, you would be like, um... That doesn't make any sense. And what do you what
1: do you mean by deep dive?
0: Deep dive. We are gonna talk about the serpent in ancient mythology. I know we've brushed on these topics, yeah. but I wanna like go in deep. I have a okay. book, and it's uh the book is Parallel Myths, and you're gonna hear me move it around here. And it's by J.F. beerling and it's incredible, and I'm just gonna kinda of talk about his ideas and and what he has to say about these parallels because it's fascinating if you love this kind of stuff read this book it lays it down very point by point a b c very easy to understand
1: for people like me
0: for people like you but there's no pictures
1: oh now if there were pictures then it really would be for people like me (laughs) yeah what are words show me picture no word more picture
0: yeah, this has no pictures. So, that is the plan for today. Are you excited? I am.
1: It's been a while. It's been a long time. Know. So you you might have to remind me on some things here and there.
0: No worries. You are going to remember the first thing I have to say.
1: Okay. Is it watery chaos?
0: In the beginning.
1: In the beginning. Okay. In the beginning, uh, as it they... always begins.
0: In the beginning, there was Aspu. This was the sky god. Okay,
1: real quick. Where is this from?
0: Oh, that's my bad, guys. This is a Babylonian creation oh, myth. Oh,
1: Babylonian mm-hmm. Babylon. Cool.
0: This is why I keep you around. You keep me on track. Yeah. Okay. But in the beginning, there was Aspu, the sky god, and Tiamat, the chaos goddess. I want to pause right here and say this to my knowledge, there's one other instance I can think of, but other than that, this is the first time this chaos has had a female... Yeah, uh, uh, personification. Personification. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I thought that was interesting. That's very interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, from their union came all gods. They don't talk about how they got together, nothing. We we just expect them, they they were together and gods came from them. Okay. Okay, cool. So, the younger gods grew restless, and they chose Marduk as their champion. Does not explain who Marduk is. We are just supposed to know Marduk.
1: It's just, you should know. If you don't know Marduk, then... You're a loser. You're a loser, and you don't know. And you don't know. You should know. It's Marduk.
0: Marduk, the the champion of all gods. The god of all dukes. Yeah. Okay, so... (laughs) It says that Marduk finished the work of creation by slaying Tiamat, his mom. Oh,
1: so he killed his mom to finish creation.
0: And then he also killed Kingu, her lover? I don't wait, know where wait, Kingu not, came from. I say
1: not his that's not his dad. Not
0: Aspu. Aspu is still alive. Kingu. He's
1: probably his brother. Was the probably, side chick. Probably brother or something.
0: <laughs> Kingu was the side chick apparently. And Marduk said, "I don't want no step stepdad. You dead? Huh? So we don't really know. You're not
1: my real dad, and then and killed him,
0: just stabbed him, but also killed his mom. So
1: yeah, I guess. Uh,
0: There's some. You're family not issues. my real mom.
1: <laughs> Actually, yes. Like, oh, <laughs> dead.
0: I guess that's like a a preface of the story. Is he killed his mom and it then is, killed
1: whoever the other person is Kingu?
0: Because then it goes into this king it says, of the goo." Right? So, <laughs> so they apparently, uh, Tiamat and Marduk, the wisest of gods. So, apparently Marduk's a big deal. They strove in single combat, locked in battle. And then it just says, the lord spread out his net to enfold her. Don't really know where Whoa, we're going with that's that. that's
1: graphic. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Well, what I think is
0: interesting, um, little side note about Babylon and, like, Babylonian myths. and I find them to be very graphic. Oh, yeah? Incredibly so. Okay. Like, their violence level is a level 10.
1: Oh, okay. They
0: love their violence.
1: Oh. So, unfolding is a violent term? Well. Does not sound like one. let's, (laughs) Let's
0: keep on going. So, the evil wind, which followed behind, he let loose in her face...
1: Whoa, unfold and take, let loose. <laughs> take
0: that as you want.
1: You know how you're taking that right now.
0: it's it's hard to look past that one, but
1: no plenty as you
0: want. <laughs> so he uh, uh, when Tiamat opened her mouth to consume him, I'm guessing the Lord who doesn't have a name, he drove the evil wind that she closed not her lips. As the fierce winds char- charged her belly.
1: What is this myth?
0: <laughs> I know. I, I, promise no. okay. I promise it has a point. Okay. promise it has a point. So, basically, evil wind inside of Tiamat, and she's, like, okay with it. And then her body distended, and her mouth was wide open. Uh, Then it cut through her insides, splitting her heart. It tore her belly. And uh, thus having subdued her, he extingu- extinguished her life. And I'm guessing we're talking about Marduk or Marduk. Oh. So, like I said, they love their violence. Yes. He, uh,
1: Maybe unfold was a violent term. Unfold them from the inside. <laughs>
0: he split her heart, did all sorts of things. Then, it gets better. He's a gem. He cast down her carcass to stand on it. Dominance? Dominance. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't pee on it just Probably, to really with the leg on it. Yeah, just to really rub in the emphasis. <laughs> so, after he slain uh, Tiamat, who was I guess the leader, and then her her band of troops or her her group of gods that thought she was chill uh, disbanded. They were not very loyal.
1: Okay, so leader died, so they are like peace.
0: Yep, and the gods that were her helpers. Who marched at her side were, uh, they were, I guess, trembling in terror and they turned their backs in order to save their lives. So basically they turned on her. Right. Cowards.
1: Cowards.
0: Freaking cowards, of course. So, uh, Marduk made them captives and he smashed their weapons, threw them into a net ...placed in cells, and they were crying.
1: I have no idea what I just heard. (laughs) So Marduk... That just just sounded like a hot mess.
0: (laughs) So Marduk takes his mom's loyal sidekicks, who turned out to not be loyal...
1: They were not loyal.
0: ...throws them in a net, but a net is not enough. So he then puts them in a cell, and then it says they were crying. And I just thought that was an important important part to put okay. in there. Have
1: we got to the creation part?
0: This is
1: that is the what have to, what that have to do with creation.
0: <laughs> From their union came all the gods, and then uh, oh, they, Marduk, they
1: created all the gods.
0: Marduk is the is the you know chosen one that finished creation, but he had to kill Tiamat first.
1: Huh. Okay. That was a wild story.
0: Oh oh, we're not even done. Oh, no. Then it says, and I'm guessing this is just an interpretation by me. It says the Lord trod on the legs of Tiamat. I'm going to say Marduk is the Lord. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
1: I mean, it kind of, yeah.
0: But see when I'm talking about violence? She's gutted. She
1: (laughs) stands on her body. Yeah,
0: he's standing on her body.
1: Then trots, walks all over.
0: But wait, but wait then he uses his mace to crush her skull and when the arteries of her blood have been severed the north wind bore it to places undisclosed
1: okay so whoever wrote this myth had some had some real issues that they needed to sort out
0: okay but this is not the only babylonian myth that is Insanely violent.
1: Babylonians got a lot of stuff to sort out. <laughs>
0: like it's it's insane how um, we we will talk about him later. But you know, uh, Guglamesh. Yeah. He is a, uh, a a Babylonian myth, or there's like a counter to him. He has some of the most graphic, some... gnarly stories. And then you just have like Hercules fighting a lion over there. And yeah. It's like, yeah, you good? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay, so. The winds took her blood away to who knows where. It, they literally don't know. And then Marmaduke paused to view her dead body. <laughs> That's silence
1: for the person I just killed.
0: <laughs> Smashed and maimed a couple times, you know. He split her like a shellfish into two parts. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, this is so funny to me. Like, he literally.
1: <sighs> He's already like splitter- her like a shellfish. <laughs> Already like beat her head in, and now split her in half.
0: This is where the creation story comes from. So half okay. of her, he set up as the sky. Then he he trapped her waters so they couldn't escape. So I'm I'm guessing water flew out of her or something like that. So maybe half, maybe
1: it's her blood fluid.
0: I could see that. So half. Half of her, because she's a shellfish now, is in the sky. And then other half is waters. That's that's where we are right now.
1: Okay, so from her came sky and water.
0: Yeah, she was both. I don't know where Aspu was with this.
1: He was just chillin'.
0: He just let his son totally maim his uh, woman, but, you know, it's fine. So, then he... It says he created stations for the great gods. Doesn't specify who... But basically, he fixes their astral likeness in constellations. So that's why you have, like, um, the big constellations, like right. the archer right. and that kind of stuff. This is saying that's this where they is went. where it came
1: from. Yeah. Okay.
0: So he's at least doing something. So now, opening his mouth, he addresses EA, God of Waters, and he says, <laughs> This bro is so extra. Blood I will mass and cause bones to be. And then he says, I will establish a savage man. Oh, a savage, and man shall be his name.
1: Oh, okay, he's... so so we are the savages.
0: We are the savages. Hmm. And it, it kinda it kinda makes sense with the whole his whole theme. So I don't know what he was doing all the extra stuff for, but he's finally creating us. We're finally going.
1: We're finally here. We've arrived.
0: This guy is so extra. It says, He said, 'A truly savage man I will create.' I don't know. I mean, I... he's not wrong. He's special. He's savage. He's special. So then, guess what? It was Kingu who had this whole idea for the uprising.
1: I thought he was dead.
0: That was the preface, remember?
1: So, he was already planning to overthrow anyway? Yeah. So, he had his half-son follow through with his plan? Yeah. So, okay, hear me out. Kill your mom, then kill me, and then overthrow everything.
0: Okay, Dad! You know- Okay, cool. (laughs) That sounds great, Dad. Don't do that. You're not my real dad. So, I guess- Oh, oh, so here's a little more, like, understanding. Tiamat was convinced by Kingu to rebel. So now the story's flipping, and say, and Marduk is saying, Tiamat rebelled, I did not rebel, Tiamat's the bad lady. And that's why decide. we
1: we had to kill her, because she was the bad she was one. the bad one. So that's I why everything I did evil, evil, was right.
0: I don't know where the evil wind came from. That seems like the bad one to me. yeah. Oh, well, we digress.
1: Well, isn't she the goddess of chaos? She is. So, I don't know. Maybe she's crazy.
0: I don't know. I think Marduk uh, has some loose screws.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, if you're the son of the goddess of chaos, you probably have some loose screws somewhere.
0: Yeah. So, they, they captured Kingu. So, Marduk captured Kingu. And they imposed on him all the guilt that Marduk felt for killing his mom, I guess. And then they severed his blood vessels. And out of his blood, they fashioned mankind.
1: Hmm. Like
0: I said, he's special. Yeah. He's special guy. So, I said all of that to actually talk about what we're talking about today. Okay. Okay. I'm sure that was very enlightening.
1: Very enlightening.
0: What did you learn today?
1: Um kill and create.
0: Violence is the answer. <laughs> Violence
1: is apparently the answer. Always. To overthrow you must you must uh sever, sever. blood vessels You must I just you feel must like climb that's very specific. into someone and, and split them apart from the inside. Ooh. Stand on them to show your dominance and then crush their head and then split them in half. Probably PR. That them. is probably that's gotta be like the uh, the only way to ever just you know, just completely take over. Anywhere.
0: It makes sense.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: So broke down all of that story, and I'm sorry that was scatterbrained. It was a really odd story how it's written out. I mean this story is Insanely old, so things are missing. It right, there's flow quite sounds right. like there's a lot of
1: things missing for sure. It's like, it's very there's, jumbled. There's people, or th- yeah, people that show up that we're, we're just supposed to know, mm-hmm. but there's nothing like that talks Previces, about them, so we yeah. don't know what they are, or who they are, or where they even came from. Exactly. They're just kind of there doing their thi- thing, and we're supposed to kind of you know, know what to do with it.
0: And there's also a dragon in the babylonian creation myth and i don't know if that's supposed to be marduk if it's supposed to be marduk you know, was a dragon uh it, I'll, I'll look into it more later but for the purposes of the day just know babylonian creation myths have dragons in them
1: dragons, dragons.
0: Nice. it makes sense because when i think of dragons you know Unfortunately, peaceful dragons are less common than, you know, really vicious ones. Yeah, I know, peaceful dragons. What are those? And you just heard about how he split people like a shellfish. Mm. So it it checks out. Checks out. So now let us deep dive because this is the stuff that just makes my mind explode. So I have mentioned this before, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but there are some really specific parallels in all these myths yeah that's why i fell in love with with doing the series and whatnot because it just fascinates my brain how the human collective is connected in such an interesting way and whether or not we took it from other people and it's you know people's short stories switching out or if it's literally our subconscious creating this never-ending tale that keeps on repeating itself or something like that they all have common things so yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about the snake first okay so he's in a ton of myths yes and it's usually a phallic symbol
1: oh Um, oh my yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's only one like facet Okay. Of what the snake can mean. It can uh, also symbolize uh, eternal youth or rebirth because the snake sheds, sheds its skin. skin. Yeah. And then it's, you know... Reborn. Reborn. So that's another very common yeah stream with what a snake represents. So, there's also this really interesting... Idea or connection, if you will, that the snake is also connected to the moon. So, and this is because the moon waxes and wanes and comes back almost like how a snake sheds its skin and is new again and does this over and over and over. Okay, it's not like a snake sheds one time in its life and it's done, and the moon you know, continually right. goes through those cycles and we call it a new moon.
1: Correct. You know? Yeah.
0: So that's kind of how their connection is, which I thought was really interesting. I've never heard that idea yeah, I before. Never, I
1: never thought of that.
0: But when you hear it, you go, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It makes you know? sense. You don't yeah. really have
1: to stretch for that. I mean, like, you know, yeah, there's, you can put those connections together.
0: Exactly. And the the moon is also considered like the lord In the measurer of the life-creating cycle of the womb and of birth and then, of course, of death because it's this never-ending cycle and when one thing ends, the next begins, you know, that kind of stuff. So these two together I thought was really interesting because we've talked about a couple myths where the moon god was an essential part of it. Mm -hmm. And... I never thought that they could be connected to our good old buddy, the snake. Mm. Fascinating, right? Yeah. So there's this like continual dual association for snakes, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's in that one game. um, Ouroboros, the one that bites his tail, that giant snake.
1: It's in a uh, Oh, inscription. 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 Inscription, yes. It's
0: a freaking amazing card in inscription. Yeah. So the Ouroboros, it's considered a an archaic vision if you will, and basically it is the floating circular island earth. And Ouroboros uh, okay. is like the the center. So again, snake is the center. It's water. Chaos is so deeply connected to these these chaos waters. So that never changes. So this was what I thought was really important that I want to kind of touch on. And this is straight from the book again, Parallel Myths. And it says that this guy, Isaac Asimov, wrote another book called In the Beginning. And he notes that there's a connection between the serpent in the book of Genesis and the dragon in the uh, Babylon creation myth. And that's what I want to kind of read for you here. That's kind of
1: interesting. Isn't
0: it? So let's dissect this together. So the serpent contradicts God when he tells Eve that, you know, don't eat the fruit of life because you will die. A, she ate it and she didn't die, which I always thought was interesting. Yeah. I digress. So why? It seems motiveless, but the mere fact that the serpent does this gives us cause to suspect that it may be the principle of chaos. In the Babylonian creation myth, Tiamat, the personification of chaos is described as a dragon, but a dragon is in essence a giant snake. Yeah. That's not a hard reach. So sometimes they wings, sometimes they don't, you know. Right. Fiery breath could indicate poison. Okay. I see that. Okay. So Isaiah in in the Bible refers to all terms used for chaos when he promises the victory of God over the destructive forces. It says, In the day the Lord with his sword and great and strong sword, That was not me messing up a word. The word is S-O-R-E. Sore. Don't know. But with his strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, the crooked serpent. And he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. And this is still from the book. I'm still going because I really thought this was interesting. So in later times in the book, in the Bible, uh, Judea was a province of the Persian Empire, and the Jews picked up the notions of the eternal conflict between the princes, principles of good and evil, and abandoned the notions of a once-and-for-all victory of good at the start. Okay. I just want to, like, marinate that on, on that for, like, two seconds, if you think about it. If you think about it, me being raised as a Christian, it was always, you know, every day you have to fight the good fight. You know, yeah. every day is is a battle. And in, in Christianity, there is an end. And I'll, you know, do right. quotations like right. that. Um, but the day-to-day breakdown is, you know... You are fighting for good. It's that fight of good and evil uh, versus um, a, a story like one where, you know, it's just right at the beginning. Bad guy got defeated. Kumbaya. You know? Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Maybe that's just me. So... Anyway, back to back to what Parallel Myths book has to say. So, Satan came into existence in Jewish thought as an eternal anti-God, striving consistently to undo the work of creation and restore chaos. Eternal vigilance. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, was required to prevent that. The thought then arose that the serpent was really the embodiment of Satan. A thought presented with unparalleled magnificence in Milton's Paradise Lost. There is, however, nothing in the biblical story of the Garden of Eden to indicate that. The notion of Satan seems to have been entirely an afterthought.
1: Right, yeah. I remember hearing something like that.
0: We even talked about it whenever we went over the biblical creation stories. Right. It was never referred to as Satan.
1: Right, yeah. And that, uh, something that is. They, they use Satan as a way to, like, you know, good versus evil. You know, Satan is Yeah, he's evil. the pigeonhole. Yeah. Right. He's the bad guy, and you don't want to do what he does and stuff like that. And you yeah. got to put a name to it. Right, you got to put the, a name on it. the
0: evil chaos just doesn't stick as well whenever, yeah. you know, you're thinking of fighting things, that sort of thing. Right. I just thought that was beyond fascinating that literally not anywhere in the story is that yet Growing up as a Christian child, we
1: were told that the snake was Satan. Satan.
0: Like I thought it was written in the Bible. It was written in Jesus' blood.
1: I really thought
0: so, (laughs) and then I went and looked, and it's not. It actually says like the wise snake or something. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Or like like I told you that mm -hmm. someone
1: told me in in the original Hebrew, which is like the shining one or something like that. Whatever the word for it is.
0: Yeah, I know. I just thought it was so interesting.
1: But yeah, you you, we've you know turned that snake into the adversary who we are fighting against. And it's Satan's fault that humanity fell because Eve, he tricked Eve to, to eat that apple. This, right?
0: Y- exactly. Yeah. This book um, specifically talks about how we are intrigued by the reference to the serpent in the Old and New Testaments as wise, like I was just saying. Yeah. Because why would we call the one who is ultimate evil wise isn't wise a good term
1: i mean yeah you know they always say i know my birthday was uh yesterday and my mom whenever i made a joke about being older my mom always said you know you're older you're wiser so that's a good thing right <laughs> i'm not sure about a year older but a year wiser sounds better
0: right so i guess the point of this is is the miraculous quality of shedding its skin and regeneration. So the book is basically saying wise equals regeneration and the ability to do that. So I'm just thinking in olden times, that's the only reason they would call the snake wise is it has the ability to regenerate, honestly. Yeah. You know? So I thought that was fascinating. There's also... A theory of scientific evolution and the Genesis account has the appearance of the serpent chronologically earlier than that of uh, humans. So there's a theory that there's this ancestral memory of a time when reptiles, not humans, were the dominant species on earth. Oh. Dinosaurs?
1: Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. That's interesting. So
0: was the snake a dinosaur?
1: Maybe it was. Was
0: it a little T-Rex with this little T-Rex
1: arms? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe.
0: I've got a big head. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I Very don't well know. could be could be a dragon, could be a dinosaur, could be a dragon. Dr- a dragon sword. Oh,
0: it was totally a dragon.
1: Totally a dragon. Oh, that's so cool. Adam Niebuhr, Hobbits. <sighs> that's where lord of the rings came from that's Ooh. where uh oh okay, uh, i not c.s lewis who's the other guy that wrote lord of the rings oh, oh killing me. Tolkien. tolkien thank you you're welcome thank you i you're was welcome. like it's this is it's lewis's buddy
0: so there's another key point of the snake i want to just touch on before we move on okay and this is it's the mythic theme that's both in the greek myth Of, and I'm going to mess this up, and I'm going to specifically go over the story because it has multiple connections. But it's Euronomi and Ophion. We will talk about them at a different time because their story is incredible. Is it a
1: creation story? No. Okay, it's something different.
0: It is something different. Okay. And so this mythic theme is found in that Greek story and the Genesis account of the fall, just like how we talked about. So, there's uh an early struggle between men and women as a matriarchy, uh, and then it gave way to patriarchy, which I've touched on a couple of times. Yeah. About how first it was women, and then you guys came along and said, oh, step aside, ladies, we got this.
1: Yeah, bad idea.
0: <laughs> we will, uh, we will let that, you know, be as it is. So... If we accept that the serpent is the phallic symbol that we talked about earlier, and I think I mentioned this a couple episodes about how in a Greek mythology story, the woman who was the Mother Earth Mm -hmm. and the snake thought he was so cool and was you know like oh i made these babies with you but it's yeah. me and she smashed his head with her heel mm-hmm. which directly connects to the genesis story so if we take this phallic symbol and the woman bruises the serpent's head this could be and this is all you know speculation but this could be an early memory of the matriarchy defeating males
1: Hmm. i mean that would be symbol so it would symbolize that
0: I just thought that was fascinating. So in in this book, I'm reading directly from the book right here, in Christian terms, this is considered the first Messianic prophecy. The son of a woman, Christ, eventually defeats the serpent, Satan. Oh. Fascinating.
1: Oh, yeah? fascinating. I know. Yeah.
0: Oh, so fun. Ooh, okay. Quick break from the snakes and now we touch on water
1: to the water to
0: the water deep dive to the water
1: watery chaos that was one of the things i definitely remembered oh so it was all over it was all over that first episode
0: literally everywhere so again you know i'm pulling a lot from parallel myths because this book is just full of really interesting information but obviously water we have talked about in almost every myth i can think of there's some form of water there's something to do with water yeah someone looks at water
1: water thinks about water
0: so basically what that symbolizes is ancient people realized water is a necessary precondition for life so i just think it's interesting think about way way back in the day when you know people were painting with rocks and I just want to know who was the first to discover we have to drink water every day.
1: <laughs> if we to don't drink live, water, we die. We will actually die.
0: Like that's something where it, did in- instincts take say over? Probably
1: instinctual instincts kicked in
0: and said, water. Like
1: I need to survive. I need I need this stuff to survive." Had to have been instincts.
0: And I I touched on this. A couple episodes, but our bodies are two thirds water by weight, uh-huh. and blood plasma is ninety percent water, and even solid muscle tissue is at least eighty percent water.
1: So lots of water. So
0: we are pretty much squishy water people. We are squishies. Around. We're squishies.
1: We're all we're we're as close to Zoras as we can be. The fish people from Zelda.
0: For real, yeah. You, I'm glad you explained that for me because
1: like, what's a Zora? I was like, I don't remember who
0: that is.
1: We're the fish people.
0: So it's it's so obvious to me why most, if not all, I will say there are a few that do not have this, but most stories start with water. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna touch on. Jungian psychology, because he has a lot of really interesting ideas, and again, I'm pulling from the book Parallel Myths. So in in this psychology, water is a dream symbol manifest in the myths in the unconscious mind in the wisdom contained therein. So thus our dreams of bathing in or drinking water may be interpreted as a symbolic of the quest for wisdom. Or for communication between the conscious and the unconscious mind. Another approach that is specific from this Jungarian uh, man who, who created this psychology has the water motif in the creation myth is the dawn of human consciousness. Okay. Which I had never looked at the, at the water. In the myths like that, yeah. But if I if I go back through, and it's it's always like we we will take we'll take the um, biblical creation story as an example right here. So it says you know at first there was nothing, and yeah, then like little stuff happened, you know, uh, light and then there's light. It. It, I can read it now as like an awakening of conscience. If we're if we're looking deep okay. and we're being um, very abstract minded about it, I can see that. I see yeah. where he's going. I'm tracking with this guy. Okay. I'm cool with him. So, uh, Judaism and Christianity are also rich with the metaphors of water. So, the Bible refers to drinking of the living waters.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm of god's word baptism uh-huh it washes away sins and uh-huh. creates a new being
1: uh-huh.
0: And the divinity of christ in the new testament was revealed as he was baptized by john the baptist so when i when i stood back and thought about it i was like oh my god baptism is such like a huge ritual
1: baptism yeah yeah and it's all about water. oh yeah it's a huge deal I It's a huge deal you have been cleansed you have been made anew
0: i just also think it's really fascinating that you know we don't use the term ritual anywhere anymore with it yeah yeah but baptism is a ritual you know it it is you know i was like oh my god i had never thought of that before yeah
1: me neither never thought of it like that
0: but it is it totally is so (laughs) i
1: immediately think of uh nacho libre you have not been baptized (laughs) Steven, you have not been baptized.
0: Just starts dunking his
1: I head believe out. in science. <laughs> he dunks his head in there. It's so funny. I love that movie. Watch so Not Julie Brave if you have not seen it. Just it's you know so funny. hilarious movie.
0: Oh. Also in uh people that convert from anything to Judaism, they have to be baptized. And also back in the day, ritual bathing in the Mikava. Or purification pool was a ritual requirement for women after menstruation.
1: Hm. And then also you gotta think of like uh baptizing babies like yeah, the, uh, the Catholic, Catholics. Yeah. Dump yeah, in. I, yeah yeah i i obviously think of that video too where's my money where's my money the, the guy dumping <laughs> little the little baby, baby. <laughs> the baby looks horrified obviously that's like a, a you know a, a meme video someone put the voice over it, over it but yeah you know the same thing they you know dedicate the baby to the lord by baptizing it in uh in holy water
0: so if we're gonna jump past all the abstract ideas of water there is actually also a scientific theory that okay. also begins in water Okay. So, a watery chaos is considered the earliest home of life on this planet. Modern okay. scientists speak of life as evolving in a primordial soup that constituted about 10% of the world's water at one time. This soup contained the necessary materials for the creation of life, particularly the carbon compounds and hydrogen which combined and recombined to form DNA, the basing the basic building block of life. Okay. So it's basically saying,
1: it's saying the science uh, is
0: saying, Yeah, there was water in this big old soup.
1: It was a soup. He went to Olive Garden and they said, What's a soup discada? and he said earth soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Earth soup.
0: Oh my god. Anywho. <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting and if if you follow this scientific strain if we're going to walk this path so there's a couple um specific time periods that they th- that scientists have given yeah. this, this period with the soup so we will start with the Precambrian period so in this theory we're going with it the earth is about 4.7 billion years old and the first life appeared in shallow pools about 2.7 billion years ago the first fossil evidence of photosynthetic plant life has been dated to about 2.5 billion years ago That's
1: a long time ago
0: i know if we jump forward uh the cambrian period so we're still following this this scientific path of soup um this guy called louis pasteur i don't know how to say his last name so pasteur hypothesized that the first life on earth was in in anaerobic and it says it did not depend on oxygen what yeah i'm thinking of like a symbiote like a venom
1: Oh yeah. That
0: is what I pictured for this, a little symbiote just like jelly yeah. floating around. Okay. That's what I'm envisioning for this. So let's just let's just
1: take the the venom route.
0: Yeah, let's take this trail. Let's just see what happens. So the the first this theory is saying the first major shift in in life took place when the world's oxygen level reach, reached one one hundredth of its present state. So, this level is referred to as the first critical level for the development of life. And at this point, the basic life forms shifted from being like venom, a symbiote, or an anaerobic, <laughs> into, um. in nature, to aerobic, which means they require oxygen. So, let's lay this out. Squishy jellies floating around in the soup mm, don't yummy. need oxygen. Yeah. The shift is there occurs more oxygen in the planet. All of a sudden, jellies need oxygen. That's where this theory is right now. Okay. Okay? You follow with me? Yeah. We good? Okay. This is considered, this period, the Cambrian period, is considered to have taken place about 600 million years ago. And this is where the Big Bang is. So it's a virtual explosion of life forms in the sea. And as many creation stories, land was not really separate from water, you know, because there's a lot, he's just like standing in the water, kind of the same thing. Okay. So this is basically the Big Bang.
1: Okay, gotcha. This is
0: the scientific Big Bang, kind of broken down, and it all starts with water.
1: With water. Mm. Which
0: I didn't know until I read this book. Yeah. So, even the Big Bang, even science... Even
1: science says water is important. Water. Water is the Drink source. Drink
0: water. Eight eight cups a day or something. Whatever it is. Drink your water.
1: Drink water.
0: So, fast forward, then it says, you know, uh, there, the Ordovican period, fi- which they estimate to be 500 million years ago, vertebrae life forms appeared, and the land slowly started coming up out of the sea... Uh, then it skips to the Sulerian period. Uh, level of oxygen present in the Earth's atmosphere due to the action of the photosynthetic plants producing oxygen reached the second critical level of one-tenth of today's level. So we would not, I don't know, I don't know, man. We would have not had enough oxygen <laughs> if it was one-tenth of, yeah. of today's. That's crazy. That's crazy. So continents were increasingly drier. Water um was separating from land, yada, yada. And then the Devonian period is basically when plants, bony fishes, and amphibians appeared. Uh, I guess the land was a bit drier, and there was like glaciers on earth or something like that so that's kind of the the big bang theory of agua it goes on and on and on i'm not going to read all of this but basically you get the idea is like every step more oxygen actually less water because the water kept on receding. yeah yeah (laughs) so (laughs) back to my theory about how we are air
1: we are the air
0: it's one or the other. I'm just saying. So um, e- and even in this book, parallel myths, the author, I just want to preface this real fast. Author J F Bierlin even says he he doesn't want to participate in the evolution versus creation battle. I'm not here for it right, either. Yeah, I'm not here. It's, um, it's always
1: it always gets messy.
0: We are literally just here exploring fun stories. Different options, and you
1: know. Just yeah, just because you know. Just because we talk about something doesn't necessarily mean we obviously believe that. It's just, you know, this whole thing's supposed to talk about the parallels mm-hmm. between things, different myths, scientifically proven or not. And you know,
0: and you might be like, not okay. trying to step
1: on anyone's toes or anything. We're Absolutely here to not. Have fun and talk myths.
0: Exactly. And I would have never known that the Big Bang Theory had to do with water. Yeah. Without looking into this, and water is what I'm connecting to mythology versus science. So, I I I love it all. And if we're not here to dissect it and look at it, who is going to?
1: Apparently nobody. Apparently
0: nobody. So let's. So make sure you follow
1: on Spotify (laughs) because no one else is doing it. I mean, not the following, but the what we're doing. Everyone everyone's following clearly. Oh my god. Yeah, I think we were up the five billion followers right now. Oh Oh. crap! It just turned to six billion. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you to all Whoa, seven billion followers. Thank you so much. Are you done? Anyways, I'm done. Go on. Are you done? Thank uh, you. Yes, I'm done.
0: Okay. Can you guess what the next thing I want to deep dive on is?
1: Uh let's see, we talked about snake Snakeoos, yes. Uh Mizu. Mm-hmm. Um what else was the big connection? It's probably very obvious. As soon as you tell me, I'll be like, "Oh, duh." I don't know what is it. The tree. The tree. Hmm. Okay.
0: This one. This one. Captures my like imagination a lot. Okay. And because it's it's such a mythological symbol of uh being like the mother um cuz the roots the in roots. the earth in yeah. protruding out and it's like the mother tree protects and that kind of stuff these are myths there there's so many myths where trees are the guardians or the mothers yeah. or the, right. the, the tree of life in biblical tree stuff tree of
1: life yeah
0: so many things so um th- and it's also like one of the only things that in mythology it has branches high enough to reach the sky and we know from all these other myths sky equaled dad 99.999 percent of the time
1: so yeah
0: i just thought, it can go deep into the earth and touch the sky also so it's that kind of yin yang right. in one yeah beautiful symbolic yes thingamabob we love it it also is a potent symbol of immortality which makes sense trees can go on forever yeah so it is in norse it is in alukehine and persian tales it's uh so in all of those stories that i just said the the man is actually created from the tree remember how in norse mythology in particular it says odin took the what was it the elm tree and the ash tree
1: Yes, that's right. Even Adam and Adam. Eve. Yeah. yeah,
0: pretty sure that's what it was. Right. Um,
1: and, and, those... and and we had someone. I asked for a, a, a tree with an S, and we got a reply saying sycamore tree. I know. I didn't even think about it. I was like, that's sycamore. Genius. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We appreciate you.
1: You know who you are. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so, from these trees, all the trees became human human being human beings Only
1: human being beings <laughs> human
0: in being the beings. beginning
1: there was a human being
0: so like i mentioned uh the the trees became man in a lot of these stories and what's really interesting is in the beginning the trees were rooted and they could touch the sky when they get transferred into humans they are rootless but cannot reach heaven
1: Mm, that's deep
0: isn't that pretty that's deep i was like oh my god i almost feel like i'd rather be a tree (laughs) yeah but a tree in a really pretty place that i wasn't gonna get chopped down yeah
1: you have to find some nice scenic place to grow Mm
0: Mm-hmm. put me on a mountain somewhere yeah no one touch me
1: Ah, yeah (laughs) he's nice up here he's very nice. nice
0: so this guy uh carl sagan he reflected on the crucial role that trees may have played in the development of human intelligence and what he's saying is he speculates on how their their place in our ancestors' lives may continue to affect our own lives so carl sagan also thinks that you know trees trees are crucial so uh what's also is interesting is the tree is a symbol of wisdom ancient poets looked at great trees and reflected on how many individual lives had passed during the life of the tree uh buddha is actually you know said to achieve enlightenment under a tree and then let's talk about christianity the the tree is the vehicle by which sin came into the world And is also represented in Redemption because he was crucified Mm -hmm. on a tree.
1: Yeah. In a roundabout way, yeah.
0: You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Trees, man. So back to Jungarian and his psychology, which Uh I have his book and I'm going to dive into that because, oh my God, it's so interesting. But he is all about the the human consciousness, right? So he also sees the prominence of the tree in both dreams and myths and he thinks it's uh attributed to the continuous growth of the tree serving as a model for the positive process of human spiritual growth through experience. So okay. I know that's a lot of words just thrown at you. Yeah. But basically this you hear me moving in my chair hey guys <laughs> um this uh psychologist is basically saying humans are we're, we're attaching you know our subconscious to the the tree and the tree grows it has its roots it touches the sky yeah. um and if even a psychologist can see like how like prominent this is in all of history really I mean, I can't think of a single myth or mythology that doesn't have at least a story about a tree. Yeah,
1: oh yeah. Every every yeah, every yeah myth or mythology has got to have somewhere in there, sort of a tree.
0: And is that because the trees were just around and the people writing myths were just looking and being like, and there was a tree. I don't know. I don't know. know. I don't know. That's the fun question that we get to think about. Yeah. Jung uh Joseph Campbell, this is a, a different um professor specifically on myths. He's incredible. Uh, he recognizes the tree as part of a powerful collection of symbols of immortality, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Throughout it's throughout history again tree equals like immortality which i thought interesting so you know the christmas tree yes so there's actually like a a spiritual view of the christmas tree
1: now down to santa
0: no oh
1: okay well i've been taught wrong my whole life Mm. is santa real
0: we're not going to answer that here. So, Christmas tree was a vestige of a—I'm going to say this wrong Tetonic pagan cost custom.
1: Yeah. Which
0: uh-huh. we—I've uh, talked to you specifically yeah, uh, off, about
1: off, off mic, yeah. off mic.
0: And it's the the evergreen tree, and the evergreen tree was the the symbol because it's alive in the dead of winter. Mm -hmm. And so it remains that symbol of immortality. So Christmas trees were, I wouldn't say worshipped, but in uh, the Teutonic paganism customs, they revered these trees because they were a sign of immortality. This tree could survive in the dead of winter. Yeah, it
1: can survive the winter. People cannot. I mean, we can now, but, you know, back in the day, I'm sure it was much harder. I mean, even when, you know... People came over to America. You, you you know hear stories of a lot of people not making it through winters and getting sick and stuff like that. But the trees survived. They Can survive.
0: Trees are survivors. Hardcore. Yeah. Love them. So that was all my deep diving today. I just wanted to take this episode to kind of go over. Those those plot points, if yeah. You will, yeah, 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 that we touched on throughout the, the things, last couple episodes. Yeah, the
1: things that are in uh, the, every pretty maybe not like maybe the snake might not be in every single one, but mm-hmm. it's in like you know every single one of those is in at least like ninety percent of other myths. Mm-hmm. You know, you might find a myth every now and then that only has two of the three or one of the three, but it seems like they're all kind of they're in there, all scattered in there.
0: I know. So next time I want to kind of play on the, the parallels of these two particular stories that I can't wait to share with you. And you're going to go, oh, my God, it's the same story with different names. And, it is, and it's amazing. <laughs> okay. And I love it is so much. Is it creation much. again? Yes and no. Okay. Yes, because it's japanese creation oh cool but the parallel that it's connected to is not creation
1: oh, i think that's fascinating that's interesting mm-hmm. so creation but no
0: yes but, but no, no.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so hopefully you guys will look forward to that i'm excited to do that soon and we will be back on track um putting out more consistent episodes for you guys, so thank you so much for your patience. I really appreciate you guys so much. Much love to you all, and thank you so much for listening.
1: Bye bye.
0: Hello, everyone, welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Mythology. My name's Olivia, I'm going to be your host today, and joining me today is Nathan. We are ready to go get these myths. Just a couple quick disclaimers before we get started today. I do not have a degree in mythology. Really wish I did. All of my notes and my research are going to be in the show notes. So if you have any questions or you want to look more into any of the sources that I talk about, they will be linked in there for you guys. Second disclaimer, this show is not to harp on anyone's religions, beliefs, or anything like that my hope for this podcast is to show that we are all part of humanity and that there's connecting parts through all of us even if we're a different race culture religion all of that mythology kind of ties us all together now my third disclaimer is myths are weird There's going to be talks of genitals, all sorts of things, situations that are uncomfortable. We're going to talk about them all because it's mythology and I'm not one to shy away from that. So if you're cool with that, let's go.